Hello, friends. Welcome back to Ordinary People and Extraordinary Lives. My name is Lance Bain. Good to have you with me again for episode 184 of our podcast designed to help us experience the grace of God while living, leading, and overcoming life's everyday challenges. So glad you are with me again. Hey, would you consider sharing this podcast with your friends, those that may be in a leadership position, which is pretty much everybody, because leadership is influence, which we'll talk a little bit about today. But I'm so glad you're with me. New listeners, regular listeners, welcome back. Glad you're here to our new listeners. Love having you on the family. Hopefully, we can add value to you today. That's one of our goals here. If you want to know more about me, check out LanceBain.com, L-A-N-C-E-B-A-N-E.com. As always, multiple resources there, place where you can stream. You can get show notes of old episodes, lots of resources available for you there. And would just want to welcome you to browse the site. You can also email me and communicate with me through the site as well if that is helpful. And it's just great to have you with us on this uh, 2023. Excited about what uh, is in store for us this year and the opportunities that lie in front of us for great, healthy leadership. And that is such an important mantra for us in the podcast family here is is healthy leadership, visionary leadership, empowering leadership. And I've been in the leadership environment for around 30 years, mainly in a not-for-profit industry, and uh, it's filled with challenges. And leadership needs constant maintenance. You always got to be looking at what's happening in leadership. Leadership really isn't the kind of thing you can put on cruise control and just let it go. Leadership is not one of Tesla's automated driving vehicles where you just sort of set a feature and don't have to think about it. No, leadership requires intentionality, intention, effort, energy, evaluation, change, growth, etc. So I want to talk to you today about defeating the killer D's of leadership. Defeating, defeating defeating the killer D's of leadership. Yep, that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to introduce these ideas with a short, um, some remarks about influence. You know, in the headlines recently, I've been uh, really, I have felt irritated. I have felt agitated. I have felt um, vocal. Well, I want to say something, but the, the, I don't. I don't say anything typically to to leaders in headlines uh, that have been catching a lot of headlines, and the, the 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 phrase "leader" is thrown out a lot, a lot, it's a lot. I want to thank the fellow leader. I want to thank this leader. I want to thank that leader. And when I observe what's happening, there may be indeed leadership going on. I'm not in that context or in that space, but it's caused me to. Th- think about and to contemplate leadership as a position uh, juxtaposed to leadership as that which is given to you by someone or a group of people uh, who are willing to spend the currency of of their influence on you. You know, influence is given. You can't take influence from someone. You can simply earn the right for them a person to use the influence that they have and give it to you. That is to say, you you earn the right to be heard. You earn the right to be respected. You earn the right to be trusted. You earn the right to leverage influence on another person. 
I don't take it for granted that you listen to this podcast and whether we're friends or you stumble upon this, this browsing leadership, whatever, or someone shares it with you, is that what right do I have to influence you? And I don't really have any right to influence you, nor do I have any authority to influence you. Any influence I have in your life is because you let me have it. You are willing to consider and to ponder and to maybe even act upon the, <laughs> the things that I talk about in this podcast. And so influence has to be given. Influence can't be taken. And I just want us to remember that leadership can be about a position, that someone, you have to listen to someone because they have a position, but if they didn't have that title, if they didn't have that organizational position, you (laughs) would not listen to them. You would not consider what they have to say. You would not follow their instructions. That is to say, you're just influenced because they have a title, because they fill a box on an org chart. And I don't want you to be that kind of leader. I don't want to be that kind of leader. Uh, That's what John Maxwell calls a level one leader. And in its infancy stages, maybe it's okay. You're a brand new leader. You're building credibility. You're earning trust. You're proving competency and charisma and character. You're really managing with great diplomacy and wisdom and assertiveness. And maybe for a while, being a positional leader is the appropriate place to be. But we got to get out of that position as quick as possible. And I just get concerned nationally, uh, within my state, within my city, within my organization, about leaders who simply stay in a position. And I don't know if they're doing the hard work of actually earning the right to be a leader versus simply being given a position, whether that position is through a resume, a CV, Uh, elected, uh, hired, uh, board of directors, whatever it may be. And so I want you to think about influence, and I want you to think about trust. I want you to think about inspiration. I would like for you to think about wisdom and sacrifice. Just four ideas I wrote down on my little notepad here when I think about influence. I let people influence me because I trust them, maybe because they inspire me, maybe because they have a wisdom and a perspective that I value and I'm curious about or I'm interested in, and I let people have influence with me because they have scars. They've paid the price. There's a sacrifice that attends to their life, and in that way, I'm willing to listen to them to consider what they've been saying. So when I talk about defeating the killer Ds today, I'm offering you and myself an opportunity to earn influence with people by learning how to overcome the killer Ds. Now, what are the killer Ds? Well, there's a lot of them. I wrote down a few that we'll talk about delay, disturbance, darkness, disappointment, and disillusionment. So I want to talk about earning influence by defeating the killer Ds in leadership. The first killer D is delay. Now, I don't mention these killer Ds in any order of priority or preference or even how often they show up. These are just words that begin with the letter D that I (laughs) have seen too often in my leadership. And if we don't know how to defeat them, then they will defeat us and they'll really corrupt our leadership, our decision-making. 
they'll create toxicity within our culture. And so let's talk about how we defeat them. The first one is delay, delay. By delay, I'm talking about you're not getting the breakthrough as fast as you want. You're not getting the answers as fast as you want. You're not getting progress as quickly as you want. And when there is delay, that vacuum can get filled with impatience and confusion. Impatience and confusion. How many times have you and I made an impatient decision or said something out of impatience and it didn't go well? It wasn't received well. It was toxic. It was sharp. It was edgy. It was personal. It was critical. It was condescending. It was cynical. It was putting down another because we simply don't like delay. And delay is that space between what you want to happen and when it really happens. And delay is a challenge because it pushes the impatient button. It pushes the button of clarity and confusion. And do you actually have that? I remember, as as you know, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, I'm a person of faith. Primarily, my leadership has been in a church context. And there's a particular story where Jesus had been asked to come and to heal his friend who is sick. And Jesus made a statement that, you know, he's not going to end in death, but he ends up dying. And it actually says that Jesus intentionally delayed going to his friend, and then he shows up and he's dead. And when you find out that the one who could do something about your problem intentionally delayed before they came, and your greatest fear actually happened, the, 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 your brother died, your friend died, and you could have solved it, but you chose to stay where you were an extra two days for no reason? Yeah, that didn't make any sense. And Jesus says, I'm actually glad I wasn't here because it is important for you to see the glorification of God as he raises Lazarus from the dead. What do we learn from that story? That there are times when delay happens and we think it's for our negative, we think it's for our bad, it works against us, when in reality, delay leads to a demonstration. And we get to decide what's in that place of demonstration. Is it angst? Is it frustration? Is it agitation? Is it micromanaging? Is it driving? Is it striving? Or is it the kind of demonstration that we all want, which is breakthrough, development, growth, maturation, uh, innovation, creativity? Overcome the killer D of delay by believing and by being intentional about what you want to see show up on the other side of delay, which is demonstration. What will be demonstrated? Here's the second killer D, disturbance. Yes, disturbance. This is those moments, those times, those people, those situations when your comfort and your pleasure, my comfort and my pleasure, is getting disturbed. It's getting rattled. I want to read to you from uh, the story I, in this book I'm reading, and it talks about an eagle, a young baby eagle and the mother that makes the nest for this eagle. And I want to read to you a little bit of this story because it captures beautifully the idea of disturbance. As with the eagle, the eagle builds its nest on the mountain crag using first sticks and twigs, then lining it carefully with fur, feathers, and grass. 
the little eaglets hatch out into ideally comfortable home. Life is perfect. Meals are delivered regularly. There is nothing to be desired. But one day, the mother eagle appears to go berserk and tears away the soft lining of the nest, leaving only sticks, twigs, and thorns. The fledglings are mystified at the change in their mother. The nest becomes so uncomfortable that they climb up to the edge of the nest and look down at the forbidding rocks below. Suddenly, the mother eagle gives one of them a push, and it goes tumbling through space to certain death. But swifter than the fall is the mother's flight. Just in time, she swoops down, catching the eaglet on her wings, and bears it up to safety on the mountain crag. At a time of unwelcome disturbance, we learn that the eagle has to fly. Left in the comfortable nest, the eaglet's wings would never gain the strength to ascend in the face of the sun. Left in undisturbed comfort and prosperity, it is easy for our leadership wings to molt, and we lose the zest for leadership. Such disciplines fit us for the flight upwards. That's the nature of disturbance. Disturbance is to make us ready. It is not just there to ruffle our feathers so to speak, pun intended, it is not just there to make us uncomfortable for the sake of being uncomfortable. Disturbance, when played out properly and leaned into intentionally, can create readiness that we actually become stronger through the disturbance. Here's killer D number three, darkness. Darkness, darkness. I read a quote recently that said, The land that only experiences sunshine becomes a desert. Isn't that good? The land that only experiences sunshine becomes a desert. Now, I don't know if that's true for every climate, but I like the idea that without rain, without moisture, without other elements, then without the darkness, we don't actually experience provision. I've learned living in New England that when we have good summers and wet summers and, and wet springs and, and early wet falls, that the fall foliage is a much richer and more beautiful experience. It's because darkness came that we learn how to experience provision. The darkness of rainy clouds, the darkness of uncertainty, the darkness of, of difficulty, the darkness of suffering, the darkness of tribulation. Friends, it's so important for us to remember that darkness is not a place we want to live, but it is something that can be utilized for us as a leader. <laughs> you begin to value the light. You begin to value sunshine. You begin to value the power of living in the light and this hope and this vision and this creativity. And oftentimes, darkness, while not, a, not the kind of environment we want to create, not the kind of culture that we want to establish, it can serve a purpose towards provision. And so when darkness comes, set your hopes on how is this darkness being utilized in a way and in how it's contributing to our environment, to our leadership, to our opportunity that is in front of us, that on the other side, we will experience provision. So here is killer D number four, disappointment. Disappointment. There's an old proverb that says, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Hope deferred, that's disappointment, makes the heart grow sick. That disappointment left unattended will make our heart sick. It'll make our leadership heart sick. It'll blur our vision. It just 
sets our character on edge, that you, you show up into an environment as an anxious presence, uh, an agitated presence, uh, a dogmatic presence, uh, a selfish, dictatorial presence. Where did collaboration go? Where did creativity go? Where did courage go? Where did compassion go? Where did uh, something for the common good go? Wow, yeah, it got eat up by the disappointment monster. <laughs> That's where it went. And disappointment is a killer. This may be one of the most common killer deeds that I see happening in people's lives. They're just disappointed. And it is so pervasive in our culture that we now say things like this. Hey, don't get your hopes up. Hey, don't get your hopes up about that. What we're saying is, you know, that's not going to really happen. Don't get your hopes up because you don't want to be disappointed. Man, I don't, I've said, don't get your hopes up. I don't ever want to say it again. That's such a stupid thing to say. Because what it's really saying is I'm more influenced by the fear of disappointment than I am the, the, the hope of success, the hope of breakthrough, the hope of, hope of accomplishment and something great happening for everyone involved in the leadership environment. Don't get your hopes up. Friends, if you say that, stop saying that. Let's agree to stop saying that. Because disappointment, when you process it in a healthy way, can lead to hope. There's a wonderful passage of Scripture in Romans 5 I love. He says that, that um, suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope will not disappoint. Hope will not disappointment, disappoint. That little prefix, dis, a point, dis, unease, unsettling. And so when you can remove the dis by properly processing disappointment, then all you're left with is an appointment. And hope does not disappoint. Hope appoints. Hope appoints. Hope looks at your leadership calendar and places within it an appointment for destiny, for breakthrough, for progress, for growth, for something amazing. Friends, let's deal with the killer D. Let's defeat the killer D by knowing hope is greater because he or she who has the most hope will have the most influence. They will. They will. Here's killer D number five, disillusionment. Disillusionment. And this is one that I can battle a lot. Uh, just what am I doing? Can feel disillusioned. Often disillusionment shows up in a, a few ways. One is just confusion. You walk around confused, unsure, unstable, uncertain, uh, blurry. You're just not sure of the vision. You're not sure of what you're trying to accomplish. You're not sure of what you're wanting to get done. And here's the way that I think can show up that may surprise us a bit is cynicism. Cynicism. Just an untrusting uh, attitude. And so cynicism shows up. And, <laughs> and cynicism, in one of its most common expressions, is through humor. And we find the kind of jokes we tell, the, the offhanded comments we make, the ways in which we're trying to be funny or humorous or jovial is actually masked as cynicism. And disillusionment is a killer D. It just causes us to no longer see what are we really after? What's the big picture? What is the cause bigger than my life that I'm willing to give my life to, that I'm willing to give my life for? I love my friend Rob Morris, who I've talked about many times on this podcast, the founder and director of Love 146. You can go to the website, love146.org, an organization committed to the ending of human trafficking. And Rob asks himself at the end of each day, was I about the things that mattered and did I love well today? You cannot be about the things that matter, friends, if disillusionment, disillusionment is influencing your life. 
Now, you can keep your positional leadership and have some authority because of the position and not know how to deal with delay, disturbance, darkness, disappointment, or disillusionment. But if you want to be the kind of leader that earns influence, people are willing to open up their heart and open up their lives and be influenced by you. Then how you and I deal with delay, disturbance, darkness, disappointment, and disillusionment can allow us to earn trust, can inspire others, cultivate wisdom, and without a shame, reveal our scars and say, yeah, I've paid a price for this. Disillusionment, when done and dealt with well, will build trust, 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 trust. Hey, let's overcome and defeat the killer deeds, all right? Hey, I love you guys. Have a great week. Stay healthy, stay hopeful, and I'll talk to you next week.